Today on Locked On Phoenix Suns, the first What If Wednesday of the offseason. What if Eric Bledsoe had stayed in Phoenix and not been traded during the 2017 fall? More on Eric Bledsoe and all of the fallout you of that on deal Suns, on today's show. Your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter, at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnPHXSuns. And we are here to discuss a what-if, one of the big ones as it pertains to the recent Phoenix Suns history. We did a lot of these last spring, actually, um, when the pandemic hit and we were really uh, desperate for content, I guess you could say. Um, we did Amari Stoudemire. What if he had not had the injuries? We had uh, Kyrie Irving. What if the Suns pull the trigger on that deal with Josh Jackson? What if LaMarcus Aldridge signs here? What if the Suns won the coin toss for Lou Alcindor? And, or all of them were good, I thought. But this one is one that I wanted to do back then and I think is interesting, especially as it really... Uh, kind of took a turn with Eric Bledsoe's career. Um, Not what I think Suns fans would have expected when he initially asked out and left and the turmoil that that created in its wake for the Suns. I don't think many of us would have thought that by now at age, I think 31, 32, whatever he is, that he would be on his way out of the league seemingly, um, at least as a star or starter level player. He doesn't seem to be that anymore. He has been traded in each of the past couple of off seasons. So not the career we expected from Eric Bledsoe, but the fact of him leaving Phoenix, I think had a lot of ripple effects here. So we'll start with what it means for Bledsoe himself. We'll talk about what it meant for Devin Booker and sort of the rest of this roster, how it would have been built and where we would be now if this timeline had in fact been the real timeline. And then we'll close with a little bit more on the organization because coaching-wise and general manager-wise, this Bledsoe thing and the way that it was botched and the way that it um, created fallout for everybody ended up with some big changes around the organization, namely with Ryan McDonough, with Earl Watson, etc. So uh, this, this whole thing here in Phoenix would look dramatically different if things had not gone down in 2017 the way that they did. But that is an excellent place to start. We're going to do more of these throughout the offseason, but the way I want to start this is a remembrance, a recollection of what was going on in 2017. And I think the place to start really more than anything when it comes to Bledsoe and his time here and how it came to an end is the 2016-17 season and the specifics of it. Because you have to remember, so he played 66 games. He was held out of the end of that season, I believe, starting in March sometime. March 16th was when the report that I can find explicitly stated that the Suns would be shutting Bledsoe down. That would be about a month left in the year. He played 66 games again. But most importantly, this was the best season of his career. I think it is safe to say. It was either 15-16 or 16-17 statistically, but that 15-16 year was the three-headed monster with Isaiah Thomas. And it was also, or I'm sorry, it was the year after that, but he only played 31 games. 
So he was valuable starting in 2013 when he got here, but really upped his scoring and his playmaking every single season, his shooting as well. And this 2016-17 season was really the culmination of his impact and his um, his is everything. It was really the best season of his entire career. And he was able to still have the type of defensive impact, you know, obviously on a bad team, hard to have that show every single night, but two steals per game and, and that athleticism was still there. He was developing as a decision maker, as a scorer, as a passer, everything. You could make the case he was, you know, a touch below an all-star caliber player that year. I think those of you who were paying close attention back then will remember that this was a real debate. I mean, maybe we were convoluted Suns fans who who just wanted our guy to be out there as an all-star, but I don't think it's crazy to say that this was in the conversation, an honorable mention when this all-star stuff was getting talked about. And that is the season that we're coming off of when all of this starts to play out. So he has this, this great year that really puts it all together for the first time. And the franchise looks like it's sort of his for the taking. He can be a key cornerstone piece. He's coming off of this contract that he had signed when he first got to Phoenix that was five years and $70 million. And then, of course, there's the shutdown. And I think that's where the problems obviously start. So he doesn't get to finish out the year despite having such an excellent season because the Suns want to lose games. They would rather you know, be able to have the opportunity to draft Josh Jackson or whomever they might have targeted, Lonzo Ball or De'Aaron Fox or whatever they had in mind all the way back in March than to have Bledsoe be able to keep playing and winning. We would find out later, obviously there's the I don't want to be here tweet, there's the Earl Watson firing three games into the season in the 2017-18 season, but shortly after that all plays out, and we hear from Ryan McDonough, who's, you know, disappointed in, in, in Bledsoe's actions as the leader of the team, on and on and on. What I want to highlight is, you might have forgotten, but John Gambadoro reported the same night as the I don't want to be here and as the press conference that we got from McDonough that Bledsoe had actually asked for a trade prior to that entire season in training camp or right as the season was getting underway in 2017, right after the shutdown the previous year, Bledsoe had asked out. And I think that has to be considered here when you think about how this all eventually came to be. So clearly later on, he is traded and that package is a future protected first that would eventually get dealt, um, a one or two seconds and Greg Monroe. And um, not not a great trade. And I actually don't even think um, I want to talk about that deal too much from the, the Bucks and Suns perspectives. It just, for better or worse, ultimately didn't actually play that big of a part in how all of this is going to get remembered because it wasn't that consequential. Greg Monroe gets unsigned the next year. The Suns just let him walk. There's the whole back and forth between him and Alex Len of who's going to play at center and Tyson Chandler. Um, and the picks get traded for other stuff. So bad trade, clearly, but it's not even really where I want to go. What I want to start with as we then, you know, make our way to what it would have been like for all of this to be the opposite for Bledsoe to, in fact, stay here. Um, It's because there were so many layers and so many different uh, dominoes that had to fall along the way can be almost difficult to say, well, what would it have even looked like for it to, to go right? But let's just say that the shutdown still happens, but the Suns are willing to give him that extension. Let's 
choose that as our reality here that we're operating in. He had two years left on the contract. He was eligible to be renegotiated and extended where he could add additional years, potentially make more money during the two seasons that were left on that original contract. There, there were a lot of possibilities there for him, and that's what he wanted. That's what he did not get, and that was a big part of, in addition to that shutdown, why he didn't want it. So let's say he does sign that extension. Let's say that it is you know, four seasons, so two more in addition to the two that he already had, and a, and a big raise. Won't go into the specifics of the salary or anything. What I think the biggest deal when it comes to Bledsoe himself is, is would have been great for his career. Because what happened immediately after all of this played out is he goes to Milwaukee and immediately gets exposed as a player who, for the most part, is really not cut out for being the point guard on a great team. Being the, you know second or third option on a team that wanted to win a championship. He was not going to be what we just saw Drew Holiday be. And it is a little bit funny to have these teams now meet in the finals just a couple of months, weeks ago, um, and Bledsoe not to be there. That just shows you how quickly he was chewed up and spit out. If he does stay in Phoenix, if we're using that as the what if, he plays a lot better because frankly, he doesn't have much to worry about in terms of, you know, scoring against playoff defenses or shot individual shot creation or, you know, the ability to shoot and how that can be exposed in a playoff situation. Confidence, all these things. It's not to say that a, a losing situation is better for everybody, but I think the fact is, Bledsoe was not a finished product as a player because of how few minutes he had played early in his career, the injury struggles and all the rest. I think there was more development to come. I think he would have had an opportunity to do that in Phoenix. He was getting that opportunity and he would have been able to be that head honcho of all of this on the floor every night in a way that I think would have helped him. It would have helped him with that decision-making, would have given him reps as a point guard. This is not a guy who really was a point guard in a substantial way of you know running an offense every single possession for most of his life, at least in the you know college and NBA situations. So I think it would have been resoundingly helpful for him. I think there's no way to look at it being a negative if he had been able to stay in Phoenix. So for him especially, his career would have continued to be a lot better. I think he would have made more money, not just with this extension, which which is crazy to think, would have ended this year if we're just saying, you know, a renegotiation and extension with two additional seasons after the contract was due to fall out, would have extend, it would have ended in 2021, which is bonkers. It seems like this was so long ago. It really wasn't. Um, so better opportunity to develop as a player, less pressure, more ability to pile up stats, get accolades, and make money. And look, he's now going to be on his third team in three years. I think part of him probably would have taken that as opposed to what has happened. So we'll talk about what it meant for the rest of the roster, for the young guys on this team, for Devin Booker in particular, um, in the next segment. First, though, a quick word from Sweatblock, our newest sponsor and a product that I can't speak highly enough about because we all deal with this type of thing. We all deal with nervousness, anxiousness, um, pressure, whatever it might be. You're meeting somebody new, you're going on a date for the first time, you're doing a big presentation, or you're just going about your day and... <laughs> It's really hot outside. It doesn't even have to be the nervousness. It can just be, look, if you live in the valley, this is a constant issue. And Sweatblock solves that problem. It is a little secret to confidence right in your back pocket, right in your briefcase, 
right in your toiletry bag that you can take anywhere with you and stamp out that moisture, that unwanted odor in its tracks. This has been tested on everything from everyday people like me and you to firefighters in the mix in the heat of a fire. Uh, really, yes, true. And it has been tested uh, or I guess reviewed and, and loved by Amazon customers for over 10 years. They have over 13,000 reviews on Amazon and everybody loves it. So again, a little secret to confidence. You can wear what you want to wear, bring sweat block along with you, apply it wherever you need. It's just like a wet nap, not like a stick of deodorant, but just a little moist towel. Apply it there, stops that odor right in its track, stops that moisture, and you do not have to worry. You're on with your day to enjoy and conquer those situations. So if you or someone you love deals with this, has experience, needs something like this to fix the problem, check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at sweatblock.com or check them out at Amazon and CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and also you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV life together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, there's no annual contract, no getting stuck. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay. So uh, the obvious other part of this Eric Bledsoe what if, if we're imagining he extends his contract, he stays in Phoenix, the trade doesn't happen, he doesn't ask for the, I guess, second request for the trade, he's, he's satiated by a new contract and, and, and just stays put. The other part of that that we have to consider is the impact it would have had on everybody else. And so I want to start general and then go a little bit more specific to Devin Booker. The roster looked very different, clearly, than, than it does right now. Um, Josh Jackson gets drafted this summer. You obviously also still have Alex Len. You still have Marquise Chris. You still have Dragan Bender, um, Tyler Eulis, TJ Warren is still around. And I think it's very obvious in hindsight that the, one of the main dilemmas and challenges and failures of how that roster was built and the development that was trying to be put into place at that time that was not able to be is that they did not have a point guard. They did not have somebody who was going to be able to make life easier for those young players to set up Marquise Chris in the pick and roll for a lob, for a pick and pop three. Um, you know, we saw it for the one season, of course, because Bledsoe, that year that he got shut down, those guys were in place. Marquise Chris, you could say, that might have been his best season ever. Um, at least statistically, produ production-wise, he looked pretty darn good spotting up in the corner and, and getting some rebounds and dunking a lot. You know, it looked good, and I think there was some optimism, and it went away. Not un not not coincidentally because of not having a point guard. Dragon Bender, you know, we put a lot of playmaking pressure on him as a young guy in this community because we thought he was this, you know, second coming of Arvidas Sabonis or something because of the way he was portrayed. 
not a good situation to be in where you're, you know, creating offense as a 19-year-old foreign player who doesn't have a lot of professional experience. Now, on and on down the line, it's very easy to think about, well, how would these guys have looked if they actually had a professional veteran table setter who was there taking pressure off of them, making life easier on them, uh, making better decisions, creating high-efficiency possessions as often as possible. Bad teams, when they don't have direction on offense, that's just turnovers and bad shots and those mistakes compound on one another and you're not able to get back into games. It's not a coincidence Bad uh, Young teams can be good on defense because all of that takes is commitment, effort, and coaching and communication. Offense, you either got it or you don't, and, and young players don't. And it really hampers your development if you don't have a point guard. So I think Bledsoe, you know, is he Ricky Rubio? Is he John Stockton? Is he Chris Paul? Of course not. He's not going to be the guy who is just making teammates exponentially better simply by being out there every night. But I do think he would have gone a long way. Which brings me to Devin Booker, because while that's true of a lot of those other young players, and I think it's a fair point to make, those guys would have had better careers, would have developed better, would have developed more quickly. I also think there's the obvious point here that Devin Booker would have looked a lot different as a player, because the minute that Eric Bledsoe leaves the Suns from that moment, 2017, October 20, or November, I think is when he eventually gets traded, Bledsoe. From November of 2017 until the day Ricky Rubio signs in Phoenix, which is basically two entire years, calendar years, Devin Booker undergoes a complete transformation as a player. And he becomes, you know, a guy that that Suns fans are dreaming of as like the next James Harden or something because he has the ball in his hands so much. And I don't think it was crazy. I don't think what we were seeing aligned with what our expectations became. But then... You look in the past couple of seasons, especially with Chris Paul here in 2021, Booker looks completely different. He looks way more like Kentucky Devin Booker or rookie Devin Booker in terms of a secondary playmaker, but really more so just a guy who's going to go out there and get buckets, who's going to get very efficient buckets, who's going to be very consistent, do it from all three levels, really manipulate the defense. Great, great, great player and set of attributes to have, but nevertheless, not a point guard, not a lead playmaker, not a you know, dribble the ball down the floor 80 times a game type of player. If Eric Bledsoe stays, you see that version of Devin Booker the whole time. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I I really don't. I mean, part of me obviously appreciates the fact that Booker has those abilities because there are times, whether it's the injuries or, or absences that we saw Paul have in the playoffs where Booker had to come in in a pinch and basically be a point guard and you know go out there and get a triple-double in the Western Conference Finals, those were very meaningful and important and his ability to do that in a pinch was useful. And obviously you want, you know especially in 2021 in the NBA, you need everybody who's going to be asked to score and have the ball in their hands for you to be able to play make as well. You can't be a one-trick pony here in the NBA anymore. I don't know if you ever really could be at the elite top of the league, but you especially can't now. There's just too much um, efficiency that you need to compete with and too much flexibility and versatility in players. You're going to get spit out by opposing defenses if you can't do a lot of things with the ball if you have it in your hands. So Booker having those skills, being able to develop them, is huge because he can do that now. When he catches the ball and attacks a closeout, he can quickly cycle through his options and he can either isolate or maybe he's going to go into the post or maybe he's going to run another 
quick pick and roll, and he can do all of that because of the reps he got after Bledsoe left, and he was able to do more. At the same time, I don't think it's crazy to say that Booker being able to just settle into more of the role that I think it's obvious at this point is most comfortable for him would have been useful too. I think there's a clear case to be made that he could be even more comfortable as, let's say, a three-point shooter, something that we agonize over him not being as good as we'd like him to be based on what we've seen him be at shooting, right? There's also any number of things, cutting, transition scoring, all these, you know, attacking the basket, getting to the free throw line, all these off-ball scoring skills that I think a lot of fans rightly are looking at the way last season ended and being like, man, if he had that in his bag, what would be different? Would we have seen a different result by the end of the season? And I don't know. I'm not even here to say the Eric Bledsoe trade was the inflection point. That's why Devin Booker didn't get to the free throw line enough in the finals. Obviously, that's a stretch. But I think it's easy to also look at that and say, well, wow, if Bledsoe had stayed, even if it was just a short-term solution and maybe they eventually do still want a player like Rubio, we'll get to in the next segment sort of the ripple effects in the organization and why it's very just hard to peg what exactly might have happened. I think there's also a part of you that has to think, wow, he could be so much better in this role and it's the role he wants to be in. What could have it have been um, if this was the case throughout his whole career? So I don't know which one I land on. I actually think it might, I might lean toward the second. I might lean toward if if Bledsoe had stayed, that it would have been beneficial for Booker because, more beneficial, because he would have been able to develop these skills at a higher level and slid into the role that I think ultimately he was sort of born to play in the NBA, that his style is most, most conducive to playing. So that's probably where I would lean, but I think it's a case to be made either direction. And I think it's just, Probably the single most fascinating part of this what if is the way that Booker's development changed in an instant and very, very um, harshly affected what he was going to eventually become as a player. And I think it's still being written. He's still a young player and we'll see which skills pop out and which lessons stick with him over time. But it is time to talk about the organization. Ryan McDonough, what would this have done for his tenure and uh, which coach, I guess, would have been here you know do we know that is it possible would there have been more consistency does Earl Watson get fired we'll get all into all of it in just a second first though quick word from Built Bar the best tasting protein bar ever my favorite protein bar and soon a member of our very own Valley community that's right if any local fans are listening to this show and I know there are a ton of you Built Bar is coming they're going to build a distribution center right here in the Valley which means your Built Bars your favorite delicious chewy Wonderful Bilt Bars will get to you faster. There will be potentially more opportunities to order, and they will be around us in the Valley community. They will be at events. They will be sponsoring things. They will be putting billboards up. You will feel ownership over this company if you do not already. I know I do, of course. I love them. I love them as a sponsor. I love eating them, ordering them, all of it. But uh, if you want that extra little bit of pride, if you haven't already taken the plunge, it'll be even better here coming up soon. So try your classic favorite or maybe something new. Strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, all summer exclusives courtesy of Built Bar. Take advantage of all of it. Whatever sounds good to you. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 when you make your order to get 15% off that order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year again. All eyes now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the internet's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL, $200, NFL Survivor contest, both open now at BetOnline. Another deal for you, if you head to the website or on your mobile app right now, make an account and get a 100% welcome bonus at betonline.ag when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, 100% welcome bonus. It's usually 50. They're giving you more money for more bang for your buck here to celebrate the start of football season and one more deal for you. They keep coming. Take advantage of their opening day super promo at BetOnline by making a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. And even if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when you sign up using the promo code NFL100. Again, that's promo code NFL100 to get a $25 refund on your wager on the opening night game between the Bucks and the Cowboys. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports including the NFL, as well as the rest of your sports calendar. Whatever you love to watch, you can bet on it at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's close out the show. What if Eric Bledsoe is never traded, signs an extension in Phoenix, and remains a Phoenix Sun? Talked about uh, the Bledsoe part of this, why his career would have benefited. We've talked about the young roster around him, as well as most specifically Devin Booker and how they could have benefited from Bledsoe staying. And I think I'm going to keep the trend going. I think it would have been a win-win-win. And the last win for a potential world in which Bledsoe stays here is Ryan McDonough and this front office and this organization. Because the minute Bledsoe leaves, and then we obviously have the fallout where Brandon Knight, not healthy. Um, and by that point, Drogic and Isaiah Thomas are already gone. So it it turns from the gluttony that the Suns had four point guards into a complete black hole. And it was what marred the entire rest of Ryan McDonough's tenure as the general manager of the Suns. And he he was never able to really get out from underneath of this He only lasted one more year, um, and the team looked very bad. (laughs) They were not making progress in the right direction. They got worse, obviously, when this happened, and so I think it's pretty clear that this was the beginning of the end. The other point I will make about that is not only did did he not have somebody to orchestrate this stuff, not only did he turn, you know, three-plus point guards on the roster um, into zero, but we also saw that what followed was um, he his reputation was gone. If, if you say that the sort of nail in the coffin for Ryan McDonough wasn't that he lost, because I think tanking and trying to lose and building through the draft actually buys you more time. He probably lasted way longer doing that than he might have if he had tried to win, because we know how that went also. Didn't go great. He didn't really have much success doing that either. So I think that's not really so much what it was. I think the nail in the coffin for me was the the way that he was seen around the league, the way that this franchise was perceived, the way that Robert Sarver saw him and the level of respect that they had mutually. I think all of that really started to deteriorate. And I think 
screwing up the extension negotiations, the relationship with Bledsoe, and the fallout from this deal, and obviously making a bad trade at the end of it to top it all off, it's it, it really started to ruin how the Suns were seen, how the players here thought of themselves and thought of the organization and the level of support that they could expect from it. And I think it started to really wear on the worst parts of Robert Sarver's managerial style where he starts to be very meddlesome. He starts to second guess and doubt and get involved too much and give input where it's not needed and all these things. I mean, I'm obviously extrapolating a little bit. I'm obviously reading into the situation. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't somebody talking to Ryan McDonough on a daily basis at this point. But I think screwing this up, ruining the relationship with Rich Paul, something that still has not necessarily been fixed, and, and on and on and on. We all know what the deal was. I think that was the beginning of the end of, of this brain trust, this front office. We obviously see basically one calendar year later, almost to the day, McDonough is ultimately fired. During, after the shutdown of Bledsoe, and before the first trade request, and then the second one, which followed a couple of weeks later, um, we do see the Suns also um, at that... No, in 2018, they go on to hire um, James Jones. And so, you know, the progression happens from there, and, and we see what happens. As for the coach, I think it's reasonable to think that Earl Watson would have remained in place. And I'm not necessarily convinced, especially when you see Watson now getting a job in Toronto again. I don't know if this might sound crazy. Maybe people are going to completely disagree with me, but I do think Watson, he, we haven't heard the last of Earl Watson in the NBA. Again, maybe, maybe you feel very differently than that, but I think he was just too young. And I think he was put into a situation where Yes, you know, player development, player relations, those seems seem to be his strengths. And he was coming off of, you know, he didn't have enough experience to necessarily be an NBA head coach, but he had coaching experience. I think we get sort of lost in the fact, oh, he was so in over his head, he, he didn't know what he was doing. I don't really buy that. I think he had plenty. So I think he was just too young. I think he just came into a situation where he wasn't supported and had so much pressure to make guys better in a hurry that it was a hopeless situation for him. I don't think he did an awful job in 2016-17. I think at that point, if we were being honest with ourselves, if we look back, the criticisms that were being levied toward Earl Watson in 2016-17 were far more to the tune of, you know, the, the way he talks to the media, you know, is he pumping up and fluffing up players too much. Remember the Marquise Chris is Tim Duncan nonsense and these comparisons he would throw out. It was a little bit silly. It was a little dramatic. It was a little exaggerated. But I think people were at least accepting and fine with what was happening on the floor. Was you know The offense was unimaginative and, and there was just a very, it was the basic structure of what was happening in Portland, but far from you know, creative and, and maximizing his players, creating advantages for these young guys to actually be able to go out there and score the ball. But I think it was fine. I think it was passable. If you look at a J.B. Bickerstaff or Mark Dagnalt in, in Oklahoma City, these guys who are clearly hired to be a placeholder for a developmental situation, are, are they much better than Earl Watson? I don't really think so. I don't feel like I look at those coaches and I'm like, man, they just have so much more talent 
than Earl Watson had. Those guys are head, head and shoulders above where we saw Earl Watson in 2017. I think what happened is part of what he was supposed to be able to do was keep guys happy, was keep guys locked in and engaged, and he became the fall guy because somebody was unhappy, things were starting to fall apart, and he was the collateral damage that got cast aside. So I think if Eric Bledsoe were to sign an extension, you would see Earl Watson get at least the rest of the season, even despite the embarrassing losses at the beginning of 26, uh, 2017, which I don't, A, don't think happen if Eric Bledsoe is happy and, and committed. I think all of that, even if that happens, you still see Bledsoe stay and you still see Watson stay if the extension is signed as we are imagining. So you have Watson now after year two. You have, you know, the summer of 2018 now. You know, does James Jones get added to the mix if things don't fall apart with Bledsoe and the stain of that situation doesn't affect the Suns so as much as it did? Maybe. I mean, I think it, it probably was a smart thing to do generally to have um, a, a different type of perspective alongside McDonough. I mean, it was Lon Babby at first. That was not a smart thing to do. But I think James Jones or a Jeff Bauer type who we saw obviously join the front office most recently, something like that probably happens. But I think that McDonough gets a longer leash. I think Watson gets a longer leash. I think the players and roster looks better. But where I want to close this, because it's an interesting way to think about it, is that I don't think that the the ripple effects, the sort of domino effect that we saw happen with the point guard spot, I don't think we get Chris Paul here in Phoenix with the Suns team if Eric Bledsoe stays. Because again, if we're imagining a two-year renegotiation and extension past what that original Bledsoe contract was that he wanted to add to, it would have ended in 2021. So not saying the Suns would have kept him that whole time, but we definitely, I don't see a, a world where Ricky Rubio ends up here. And, you know, if Ricky Rubio doesn't end up here and you still have Bledsoe sort of riding it out at the end and, you know, maybe James Jones doesn't come in and things don't turn around. You still have Earl Watson for a couple more years. Maybe he's not the head coach anymore. But as much as I think the, the development of the players and the development of Booker might have been better, you know, in terms of, everything's sort of fitting the right way. And, you know, maybe maybe some more cohesion and, and consistency continuity in the front office and coaching staff rather than change every single season. Things have a weird way of working out where I do feel like at the end of the day, you have to look back and say, despite all of that, somehow, change after change after change, we ended up in a situation where nevertheless... The Suns have a head coach and a general manager who seem to really know what they're doing, who seem to work excellently together, and who seem to have the cachet around the NBA to put into place somebody like Chris Paul, somebody like Jay Crowder, on and on and on down the line, uh, an NBA Finals, an NBA Championship caliber roster, despite all of that. So it's bizarre to say, but I actually think, this, you know, even with everything I've said being true, the Suns seem to be better situated now than they were. So maybe there's something to be said for turning things over if they're not working. Would Bledsoe have been better? Might you have had a little bit better of an outcome for a young rookie that or second year player in that following season? Sure. But at the end of the day, I think it was broken. That Bledsoe plus Bender plus Chris plus Jackson plus 
Warren plus Booker, was that going to be an NBA Finals roster by 2021? No. Maybe there's a case to be made that, they, you know, when everything is in hindsight, that this did work out for the best. And Bledsoe, despite how excited we all were and how much of a disappointment it was to see him go, that it did ultimately, for the Suns, end up even better. All right, fun What If Wednesday. We'll do more of these throughout the offseason. We'll maybe do it every week. Keep the ideas coming. Put them down in the comment section below. I will pin a comment asking for your favorite What If that you'd like me to cover here on the podcast. Tell me what you think might have happened with Eric Bledsoe and the Suns if he had, in fact, stayed here. And guests galore coming the rest of the week, guys. Thursday, I will have um, Srikar of Suns Twitter, Sreeky Shooter, of course, and Kevin Ray to close out the week on Friday. So keep it right here. Subscribe down below on the YouTube channel if you are watching along. Subscribe to Locked on Suns on whatever listening audio platform you might be listening on and follow throughout the offseason. We're going every single day through the rest of the month, which I realize is not much more time here with us, and then uh, getting you ready for training camp not too far after that. I'll be back tomorrow, guys. Until then, enjoy your Wednesday.